Father God, we just give you glory and honor and praise for this night, Lord, and we just lift you up. Lord, that uh, your word will stand supreme in us this night, Lord, as we dive in uh, to this awesome series. Uh, Father God, enlighten us. Uh, Father God, give us uh, just a new perspective of you and, and your word and who you are. And let our eyes be open in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and put the uh, PowerPoint up. Uh, like Tony said, we're, we're diving into a series called Anchored. All right. And a little bit of background behind this series is uh, each week, you know, we meet about you guys. Isn't it cool that y'all get talked about every week? And usually it's in the, it's in the, it's in the good light. Um, that was a joke. But anyway. But, uh, but uh, as we begin to talk about where you guys were spiritually, you know, we, we begin to ask ourselves, do, do our youth know they're saved? Do they even know what salvation means? You know, and, and as we begin to ask and, you know, question some of you, you know, we come to realize that many of you, be, if we would ask, you know, why are you saved? Are you saved? Y'all would say, yeah. I mean, most everybody would say, yes, I'm saved, Pastor Tommy. Yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. If I were to ask you, what does that mean beyond when you die, you go to, you know, go to heaven, you're not going to go to hell, and beyond that, you just have a relationship with him, what does that actually mean? What does it mean from the Bible? Do you understand biblically from the word of God what salvation truly is? And can you explain it? Do you understand it? And for the most of you, the answer would be no. You know, you understand that we preach and, and we share these things, but you don't understand the biblical basis of your salvation. And so, and there's no reflection against you because we're the ones who teach you. We're the ones instructing you. We're the ones mentoring you in your Christian walk. And so for us, we decided to go, okay, let's take a step back. And why do we go through the foundational truths of what salvation truly means? That way you can walk with assurance of your relationship with Christ. Because a, a walk with Christ is not just coming into worship. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. A walk with Christ is not just reading your Bible. It's a part of it, but it's not all of it. A walk with Christ is not that, you know, if I die or I were to die, I, I get to see him and I go to heaven. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. And if you don't understand the foundational truths of how to play the game, you won't play the game right. You won't, be able to, you won't be able to participate appropriately. You know, if, if we were going to go outside and play basketball, you can obviously sleep, see right away someone who don't know how to play the game. You know, because they'll travel, they'll walk, they'll carry, they won't be able to shoot, all sorts of stuff. And you can know right away, you don't know how, they'll be running out of bounds, all sorts of stuff. And usually that guy you don't pass the ball to. You know, and usually you're upset that he made it on your team somehow. But, you know, when you got, you know, you got 10 people, these last one pick, he ends up on your team. But you, you know right away that dude don't know how to play the game because you can see it on him. Wow, that's powerful. You can look at him and tell he don't know what he's doing. You can watch him run and foul and, and, and know right from the start, that dude is not somebody I want on my team. Many people walk with Christ the exact same way. And I can look at them and watch them and tell they don't know how to play the game. I can drop the mic and walk out right now. Look, you can obviously see straight. To, you, you don't even got to go home with them. You can look at the way they talk and know they don't know their salvation. You can look at the way they act and know right off the, right off the bat. If, if, they, if, if they open their mouth and nothing but cuss words come out, you can know right off the bat. They don't know Christ. 
Because if you knew Christ, the words that come out of your mouth are life. Man, I got to get to the sermon. But you'll know right off the bat the type of person they truly are based upon the walk that they have. And what we're trying to do is grow you to mature Christians so you play the game right. And you're not just sitting on a bench that somebody no, nobody wants to be around, but you are in the game playing it effectively. That's what we're trying to do with this series. We want to make sure that every last one of y'all are equipped. That every last one of y'all are starters in the game. That every last one of y'all are valuable members of the body of Christ. And that you're excited about it. Because this walk is not boring, but excited about it. That's what Anchored is all about. You got it? That's what we're going to dive into. Praise God. Lord, thank you for that. And so, we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1. Now, many people don't realize that salvation started in Genesis 1. Most people assume salvation began with Christ, you know, or, or Christ when he died on the cross. Most people will go, well, salvation started with Christ died on the cross, but the truth is it started in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Say, let there be light. God said, let there be light. Deliverance and salvation started right there. God set the standard, the goal, the vision that life is to be the end product. He comes upon a world that's dark, that's void, that's empty, that's formulas, that has nothing. And he sets a standard from the start. Let there be light. Let there be life. He then moves into manifesting that vision in a dark, formless void. See, I love when jo- what John 10.10 10 says. It says, the thief comes to accept to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, that you may have light, and not just a little bit, but that light in abundance. See, there's no life in darkness. There's no light in darkness. And so God sets a standard right from the start. No, there's not going to be darkness. There's going to be life. There's going to be light. And see, From the beginning, God shows from a deep, dark place he desires life. What God brought to the earth, Jesus brought to the heart. See, because many of our lives are dark. Many of our lives were formless. Many of our lives were void. But when Christ came, he said, let there be life. God, that's good. Let there be life inside of you. It started what, what, what God did with the earth, Jesus did with our hearts. So see, salvation started at the very, very beginning. Now, Genesis 2, God creates man. Genesis 3, man falls. I don't know how long it took. But between chapter 2 and chapter 3, we had an issue. All right? So man falls in chapter 3. God tells him, you know, of all the fruits in the garden, you can eat of, but of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot touch. He said, don't even touch it. All right? But they went ahead. The woman ate it first because she was talking to the serpent. The serpent convinced her that it was good to eat. She ate it. Gave it to her husband, he ate it, and we go on, and their eyes were open. When we get to chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. That means they realized what they did. And they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, right then, now God just got rid of darkness. 
God just put light and life into play. God creates man in the midst of this garden. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. But then man violates the laws of God, and immediately darkness and void come to the heart of man. And they realized that, and they, what did they do? They tried to cover it up. See, any of you got, got dressed, you know, to go out, you know, you got your clothes on, you might have irons everything, you got, you're looking all clean and doing your thing, right? And then you walk out the door or you walk into somebody and you bump into them and they spill something on you. Any, that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. Or, you know, you grab a cup of coffee. I, this happens to me plenty of times. Grab a cup of coffee, Starbucks. You go to put it down in the cup holder. It burps out of there. And next thing you know, it's, it's, it's on you. And so you got to make a decision at that point. You have to decide whether you're going to go in the house and change your clothes or you're going to cover it up. You know, some, you may think, well, maybe I'll just put a jacket on it or it's fine. It's just not here. I'll just, I'll just stick it in my pocket. You know, I'll hide the stain. I'll cover up the stain so nobody will see the mistake that was just made. God, this is good. And see, the hearts of man ended up the exact same way. Because the minute they realized that they had sinned, they decided to try and cover it up and hide it from God. They decided to try to, uh, 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 maybe, maybe he won't see it. You know, maybe he won't realize what we've done. And when he showed up, the first thing, not only did they cover up their nakedness, but then they tried to hide in the trees away from God. Many times that happens to us when we're doing something wrong. You know, we, we know we're not supposed to be watching certain things. We know we're not supposed to be saying certain things. We know we're not supposed to be with certain people. We know we're not supposed to be doing certain things, but yet and still we do them. And when our heart gets convicted, the first thing we want to do is cover it up. Now watch, because of their sin, the curse came. Now let me explain to you what the curse is. The curse was a byproduct of sin's interaction with the light. It's, it's, it's. Let me explain it this way, because I'm going to go a little deeper with you guys than they did with junior high. You know darkness does not exist, right? Okay, let me tell you, darkness does not exist. Right. If you walk into a dark room, that is the absence of light. Darkness actually does not exist. There, there is no such thing as darkness. There's only light. Jesus, thank you. There's only light. So when light interacts with a dark room, the response is light. Now, when, when you had a, 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 a completely sinless world and then darkness showed up, the response of the light with the darkness was the result of the curse. And it affected everything that was going on, right? And then God says in verse 15, and I will put enmity, which means a, a, a bad relationship between you and the woman. He was talking to the serpent. He said, I'm going to put bad blood between the two of you. But I'm also going to put that between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And who was her seed? He was talking about Jesus. See, this was the first prophecy of the foresight of Christ, of salvation that's going to come. This was God saying, okay, right now, this is a mistake, this is messed up, but there's going to come a redeemer that's going to fix this. Because my goal from the beginning was deliverance and salvation. 
So his plan never changed. His goal from the door was deliverance and salvation to this earth. He created a world in this earth, deliverance and salvation. It never changed. This was the first prophecy that was going to happen. God, then God goes on and he makes the first sacrifice. Again, a picture of Christ. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. God said, look, you're trying to cover your mistakes your way. Let, let me cover them my way. See, you, the best you can do was sow fig leaves to cover you. The best I can do is actually give you real clothes. The best you can do is hide yourself from me. The best I can do is tell you that there's going to come a savior that's going to redeem you so you never have to hide yourself. God, this is good. You never have to hide yourself from me. See, all of this started in Genesis 1. It all started in the garden because of his love and his compassion. See, is, is there any scripture that can validate what I'm just said better, better than anything else? Is there, any, is there any verse that speaks this louder? John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much. Look, and, and if you look at that word in the Greek, that word world means system. This world system, this world's way of doing things. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him while they're still in this world will not perish. They will no longer be in the void. They will no longer be in the darkness. They will not, no longer be in the formlessness, but have everlasting life. See, we, that, that's where we know the word of God starts at the beginning of Genesis. Salvation, revelations, salvation. Salvation and deliverance started from the garden. Amen? Praise God. Did y'all get that? It starts at the beginning. And the reason this is so important, especially when, when I was praying about this, because I was going, Lord, okay, I, I, I'm going to be preaching on, you know, salvation. We're going to be preaching. We're going to do in these weeks. And I began in the Lord. And the Lord said, look at Genesis 1. I, I, went, I was going to the, you know, later. I knew there was prophecies in it. But he said, no, look at Genesis 1. He said, Tommy, I started delivering the earth at the very beginning. I just never stopped. I just always continued it. I'm still delivering men's hearts now the same way. I just never stopped. And he's going to do it on through eternity. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I, that is so good. To, 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 that excites me because that means there's hope. See, the understanding that darkness does not exist helps you understand that there's hope. There's no life in darkness. There's no peace in darkness. There's no, there's no distance in darkness. There, there's nothing that attributes anything of the light of life in darkness. We have given darkness more of a place than God. We've given the attributes of darkness attention. One day the Lord told you, he said, you, don't you, if darkness does not exist, why do you pay attention to it? If you, you can expand that out. It does not, it, 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 it can exist because there's no life in it. There's only life in life. 
So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that makes sense. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That is our focus and purpose. Father God, I, I give you glory and honor and praise for this word. Lord, I rest in you. Father, I thank you that we walk in the light. We walk in the life. We walk in your purpose. We walk in your plan. We walk in your discovery. Father, that our eyes are open, that salvation started when the earth was created. Father God, and let us play the game fair and play it the right way. In the name of Jesus. Amen.